Hi, my name's David Johinke. I'm a farmer in Marawara in Western Victoria. I'm here today to chat with Andrew and Matt about the National Farmers Federation upcoming presidential election. Before we get DJ on, Georgia and Tony on, um, we couldn't get them all on together because we didn't want to start any arguments uh, between Matt and myself. <laughs> but before we give it an opportunity, because for each of the nominations or nominated people for the NFF presidency, to come on, give us a bit of a spiel. Even though farmers don't individually vote for them, it is one of these three people will be representing farmers in uh, a month's time after Fiona Simpson steps back after six years. Fiona was doing it. Get over, yep. Uh, so this is probably the toughest test that anyone who's nominating will get. You know, coming on, seeing if they can be a natural, seeing if they've got a sense of humour. Um, seeing what so, their uh, preferences are for things. So we probably should start off with the sixth sense. Absolutely. I think that's the the first, that's the most important questions that are going to be asked with the sixth sense ones, I think, and then we'll lead into some others. Right, right. this is our uh, word association game, our psychological test. So we will throw a couple of words at you and you just give us the first thing that comes back to mind. Okay. And this will dictate whether... You are a person of the people or not. <laughs> Matt, you're first. Farmer representation. Challenging. Black pudding. Uh, only with rice. Hmm. Crocs footwear. Uh, band. Not looking good for old DJ. Um, <laughs> I've got a, I've got a mate who only wears about... Crocs summer yeah. day, winter and summer, and um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a I'm a non-believer. I've, I've got seen, to get thong, thongs and work boots. I've seen on Twitter just recently. There's a Crocs variation that looks like a cowboy boot. It's got like an extended top on it. That might be what about... get, that might be able to get some votes in Queensland and Northern Territory. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they're still Crocs, Matt. If they're not Crocs, I don't know. Okay. Well, the the bottom part's Croc Croc looking, and then the top's got like a cowboy boot feel about it. Right, so, come on, come on, Matt. This is a presidential oh. address, so we okay. want to get serious. Dealing with the big issues, lads. Favorite right, are, favorite musician. Uh I have to be uh, Cohen. I'd say. Okay. Who was that? Who was that? Uh, the guy who sung Hallelujah. Oh, Leonard Cohen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, yeah. Gosh, that surprises me. All right. Um, what about uh, Australian agriculture? Uh, land of um, long time wet, long time dry challenge. And the final one. And this this will be a decider. Haggis. <laughs> Mate, Scottish food, uh, once again, only with rice. Well, only with rice. What's that? So you have black pudding not in – because there is a variety of black pudding, the Spanish one, where they do rice in it, right? You've got to mix the rice in it like a chorizo, yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you're just having the blood and meat, the yeah. uh, uh, it doesn't go well with the bit of spice that goes with it. So you need a bit of rice just to fill it out, I reckon. Just to just to dull the, dull the strong flavours, you think, a little bit. Well, yeah, probably turn it a little less Scottish and a little more something else. 
Right, oh, so that's David lost all the votes from uh, <laughs> the, the pork industry. Yeah, Pacton, and, uh, Park, Pacton Park might be impressed with some of those answers, but we'll, we'll forge ahead. Um, you mentioned a couple of times you mentioned the word challenge when, when we spoke about farm re- representation. You said challenging, I think, and then also regarding, I think you mentioned the seasons with regards to Australian ag and saying it can be challenging just that flick between wet and dry that we see often. But what, what from a perspective of, um, of national farmers, what do you think – is the biggest challenge just facing Australian agriculture presently? Well, quite simply, it's remaining productive and profitable underneath those environments. So we've got so many issues going on. You can't really just pinpoint one that's going to make or break the whole industry, but it's the layering up of wanting to and and adhering to the pressures outside of the industry. So productivity, getting inputs, getting inputs at the right price, balancing that bottom line. Secondly, the the credentials that we now have to both use for it for, to get trade access to making sure that we're complying with the raft of legislation, both internally and externally outside of Australia. And then finally, putting that together with the most important ingredient, which is people, um, getting access to people, giving them careers in agriculture, ensuring that they've got a clear pathway so that they can um, get involved take on the farms and be as productive as what the previous generations are. So it's keeping that um, trajectory of productivity, being a leader in technology and facing it all with a climate that is becoming more challenging when it feels like every year it does. But uh, to remain stable in underneath those pressures is some of the greatest issues that I get told by farmers constantly that we need to address. What do you think, like, we've got challenges. One of the big challenges at the moment has been relationships between agriculture and the government. We've had a Labour government for a year and a half now, pretty much. Mm. What, how do you think the relationship between agriculture and the Labour government is going? And what do you see? As, well, how do we get around that? How do we fix that? There's two parts to a relationship. First of all, it's not a friendship. It is about having those uh, clear and concise discussions about what the objective should be that we're trying to achieve. And at the moment, we have got an ag minister who's prepared to listen, but it's the action that's the real part that counts, the action of the outcomes. And they're being led by um, some principles or some ideologies that they believe are coming out of society. For us, it's going beyond government to be able to get the pressure back to the voting population so that they can see the clear impact that an ideology can have in a whole industry, let alone the community, if they go down a pathway that's counterproductive to our productive systems, counterproductive to our environment. So it is telling that story to the broader community to give pressure then to the policy itself. But we have got a good relationship in the conversation. It's the action that we've got to change. It's the action of making sure that they're backing in farmers, making sure that the decisions are being made are actually about ensuring that a farmer can turn a dollar in a sustainable and environmentally sound way. I think that's that's important. It is important. That sort of, it's all about money at the end of the day. All the other stuff is is good. We've got to be good for the environment, et cetera, within the, the, the rules of the legislation and the law, but we still have to have that focus on the economics of it. It's, every, farm uh, is a business, every farm is a business, and we've got to back those businesses in. Because I think that's – I was talking to somebody the other day about this. You know, farmers – I don't like the term farmers. I believe it's people who are in the business of farming as opposed to people who are farming. And, and Dave – you chose a really good day to go out in the field because you're a uh, bat and flies off you like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's no tomorrow. Right, this is this and is you, and, you, and you just wanted day. to show off the crop as well. Oh, blue skies, well, mate, beautiful day. Blue skies and the wind's just knocking it over. So the other the other part of of you had as well is um, 
getting to the wider community, yeah? Like most most people in the city no longer have any connection to agriculture generally. So you're going to be continuing the ag day? Absolutely. I think the greatest opportunity in agriculture is the fact that we are a trusted organisation as a whole. People like farmers. People like eating. People like what we do. Our conversation has to be around beyond the old McDonald's stereotype, beyond um, the, the the vision of the rolling hills and, and the beautiful scenery. It's got to be about the business conversation. It's got to be about why we do, how we do, what we do. And that has to be done in a multiple ways. It is a, a hearts, and minds, hearts and minds conversation. So initiatives like um, the National Ag Day are important for us to have those touch points in the cities, in the metro areas. So we can start the conversation of, well, what did you have for breakfast today? Where did your haggis come from? Who produced the animals? Who produced the, who was involved in the supply chain and how important it is so that when they do have a conversation around ideologies with their own friends and go, well, there's only one way we should be doing this in Australia and that's to follow a certain set of guidelines or a certain production principle that won't be adaptable, that actually send us broke, is counterproductive. So it is up to us farmers to start the conversation. It's about to do it in the right places. And we have got some excellent talent out there. We've got some really enthusiastic some and passionate great analysts, young farmers coming through. Great analysts, great, great podcasters. Great, great, yeah, great podcasters, yep. Uh, there's a couple uh, mediocre, mediocre, sorry. <laughs> but but yeah. at the end of the day, this, the, even this conversation is really important just to demonstrate that agriculture is a viable industry. And, yes, we have our ups and downs, but the long-term fact is that we are the – the biggest land managers in Australia, that we are productive on that land and there is opportunity for people to grow businesses, have families and have awesome, um, vibrant communities. But we've got to be able to tell that beyond our own bubble and get out there and let people who, as you said, Andrew, at the start, who aren't as connected as they used to be, noting that that's a conversation that we've got to take on as well. It's not, um, we've got to go to the people, the people can't necessarily come to us. And that, is that, that awesome. Is that a, a role that NFF should be taking on board as a as a kind of priority, that type of education piece? No, it's, it's about our partners to do it. So the reason why we have partners uh, to the national farmers is about making sure that it's a two-way conversation, that they're not just leveraging off of our brand. We have to get their brands to be working for us as well, and that is getting our message through their networks out there. The NFF doesn't have the budget. And I always ask people, what was the last advert you saw on TV? If you watch TV, because very rarely right. that um, that blast media works, it's that personal connection that actually is the touch point. And we all have the one thing in common, and that is that we enjoy food, let alone renewable energies that agriculture plays a part in, and, and the issues around that that we have to work through. And then finally, the the whole part that we are environmental stewards. It's something that we haven't sold. Um, well enough, and it won't be solved in my term either, but it's a conversation that we have to keep pushing forward and it has to be a generational change and it has to be hearts and minds. That's just going back to Ag Day though, Matt. That means that if it is continuing, we can continue to put the same video up every single oh, yeah. year <laughs> yep. and and have the most popular Ag Day tweet four years in a row now, fingers crossed. So but do you think, like talking about like consumer again, because I think that's one of the things that is often forgotten about in agriculture, is the end customer. Do you think there's this opportunity just now because of the fact that we are seeing, you know, the cost of living pressure starting to heap up, like the cost of food is increasing, you know, people previously when things were going well, uh, they might've cared about, you know, 
artisan bread and whatever else. But now a lot of people, even even as millennials like myself, maybe care less about you know where the foods come from or having certain attributes. But they're more concerned now about actually making sure that farmers continue to, to produce a product at an affordable price. And do you think that is a better opportunity for us to be able to actually say, well, look, this is what we produce. And if we have the Murray-Darling base and take away X number of gigaliters, that's going to impact your bottom line. If we have something else come in, a policy, that can also impact the cost of your lamb, your cattle, or wherever else. So you think that's a possible opportunity to actually say, well, this is what we're doing for you guys. I'll, I'll put an and to that, Andrew, as well, because not only have you got um, the, the, the food that's plentiful there, you've got it's safe. Our food is got, has got some of the highest stringent safety standards in the world, and you've got choice. You can choose how the production system works for whatever product that you choose. When you go to this grocery store, your butcher, your supermarket, you have got an absolute avalanche of choice compared to other places in the world, and it's something that we probably don't recognise as well. So, yes, I think this is a part of the conversation of cost of living. We need to have um, uh, pressure points or, or cost points for everybody to enjoy. We've got to make sure that we can satisfy different markets when they're there, but also realise that the the artisan choice of bread is not going to be the same for everybody, let alone taste, but to budget. And especially in this environment that we see, that cost pressure, that squeeze that we're seeing on the general public has to be matched by us to continue to be productive. We've got to make sure that every drop of rain that we get, we utilise properly. And then also, when we are talking about supply chains, that we keep those costs down because that is ultimately enjoyed by the consumer because farmers don't want to go broke and consumers want to get a product at a reasonable price. The difference is making a system work for both of us. And that can only work when there's a common understanding of what we're trying to achieve. And that is once again, run businesses that are very highly efficient, that are using the best technology as possible and making sure the consumer picks us over anyone else when they go to that um, it's, marketplace. It's, it's a choice for both the consumer and the farmer. If the farmer wants to use GM, he can use GM. If he doesn't want to use GM, doesn't have to. But also the customer has that choice as well. And I'll use an analogy as well. If you look back three years ago when we started this podcast, was it three years ago? No. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I think so. So that's about right. There was only one type of black pudding on the shelf. Now, if you go into the stores, there's four companies producing black pudding supplying supermarkets of different types, Irish, Scottish, Spanish and German black pudding. So that the customer has got fantastic choice. We will give a preference to Patton Park because it is mm. the highest quality black pudding out there. Uh, but that's enough for our sponsors for today. Uh, go on to that. We talked about the challenges, yeah? Yeah. And uh, and there's a sign for you, DJ. Coming on this podcast can make big things happen, like black pudding becoming instrumental. Just, just hang on in there. Uh, we talked about the challenges, yeah. But you know, Matt and I, we're we're both, as you know, we're analysts. And we're always really positive about everything, and uh, we're always positive about all this sort of information that's out there. So we always like to focus on not just the negatives. So what what are the opportunities for agriculture in the coming years? Oh. Once again, I think it's the the part, the story you've just told there, Andrew, of how vibrant we are, how dynamic we are, how we are responsive to, to industry and the pressures that are put onto us. It's telling our story to 
about attaching it to our product. There's something that um, we're not going to necessarily get down to provincial wheat in every section of Australia, but be able for somebody when they're buying their loaf of bread that they are checking that it is wholly Australian and that when they are going and, and being proud of a product that they can then understand where and who produced that to a degree. And it's, in many ways, it is a pride thing. In many ways, it is us being proud of the industry to tell that story, but then also for the consumers to go, actually, I want to back Australian farmers in at whatever price point, whatever system it is, because we know that they've got our best interest at hand, that we, we've actually met a farmer at a barbecue or we've, we've seen them on telly or we've had an opportunity to have that touch point again. And reconnecting through that conversation, reconnecting through us telling the great story of agriculture through all the different medias and, and being smart about this too, because no longer is it a newspaper-based communication style. No longer is it just TV, it's podcast. It's using all the different social medias. It's making sure that we're going to key events where people want to um, understand more and, and, and being that front of mind and to elevate ourselves from the and, and I'll pick up your point that we're people who run farms, but we're not just farmers because I hear that a lot as well. And I always stop the person and say, no, <laughs> you're much more than that. If we've, we've got to have confidence in ourselves to be able to tell our stories. And, and it's a part of encouraging people, but also giving that platform. And once again, we've got some vibrant young farmers coming through that I believe can take that mantle up and really um, put our industry forward in the hearts and minds of the people who matter the most. That's our consumers. And then secondly, their voting preferences. Yeah, it's more than just a two-dimensional old stereotype of what a farmer is nowadays, but you're obviously you're running for president. Um, if we could do a bit of a hypothetical and, and project forward, let's just assume you get voted in and you serve a few terms or whatever. Is there a particular legacy, Dave, that you want to be remembered for if you're able to get in? And you know, is there some kind of things that really stick in your mind as what you know you want to be you want to be thought of? Um, you know, if you get in and, and, and you have a successful term. First of all, it's that personal character. I want to be seen as a strong, authentic farmer who's got a lot of grit, who's willing to fight for farmers across the board. Like I want to make sure that people can feel like I'm telling their story because ultimately that's all I am. I go and meet people. I hear their stories. I feel their pain. I see their properties. And then when I am talking to either ministers or the public, I can relay that story as best I can on behalf of other people, let alone if there's an opportunity to bring them along. So being that authentic, genuine voice of agriculture is, is my primary one. But then secondly, and this also touches about what I want to do within the organisation, is to make it um, as nimble as possible, make sure that we, we are making our members stronger because I believe a strong National Farmers Federation needs strong members. So I'll be also focusing on how can I make the members of the National Farmers Federation stronger, and that's including um, ensuring that their policy mechanisms are great, making sure that if there's events that we can attend, that we link arms together and make that happen. But also if there are struggles, that we have honest conversations early, that we're able to overcome any issues and find common ground quickly between the family of agricultural organisations. But more so, it comes back to the original point that we spoke about, if there is the opportunity to promote ag, if there is the opportunity to celebrate a win or celebrate agriculture as a whole, that we do it as a family, that we are inclusive. And that's the other attribute that I believe I bring to this role is I'm ready to go. I've been around for a while. I've done everything from the local to state level and been a part of the successful team. Um, I am different to Fiona, but I'm also give that continuity of the industry, of, of the national farmers, and hopefully build on what we've already got. So, Ken, you, you've been a vice president for three years? Is it three years? Yeah, two, two I've years. had two terms of vice and previous to that, been on the board, and as well as being going through the committee 
process as well. So I've, I've lived and um, breathed um, all that process. And VFF beforehand? Yeah, right down from branch level. First time going to a meeting, coming back as the secretary treasury because I treasurer because I spoke up too much. <laughs> and, um... So, so I'll, tell, I'll tell you a story. You you won't remember this, but I've got a pretty good memory. the The first time I met you was at a VFF conference in twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen, and it was my first day living in Victoria. Oh. Awesome. Uh, Good luck to you. And, and we'd uh, and I stayed. Well, I didn't stay for too long because I'm in Canberra now. But uh, it was at Lorne when VFF used to have the conference in Lorne. Yeah. And, and we had a we had a we had a I think a steak or something or a social sizzle or something and and talked about grain markets. And I don't think you could understand a word I was saying because my accent was even stronger back then. So the but what would you change? about is there anything specific you would change about the NFF? Well, I think that the organisation is pointed in the right direction with all the initiatives that are going on. I want to make sure that we're focused on the bread and butter issues that once again address the, the business side of things, probably tweak that up a little bit more. But it's being that touch point to the normal farmer. That's the part that I think that we're, we want to, we need to get better at because we're always told that uh, the National Farmers is this entity far, far away. But in reality, we're just the embassy for farmers in Canberra which means that we are there for anybody and everybody within agriculture and we will encourage them to use the proper processes, but we want we want to make sure that we're, we're, we're there to, to fight for that farming cause. But then secondly, it's that agile part of now the 24-hour news cycle, making sure that we are um, addressing issues as quickly as they come. And then if, if people um, want to, that they can see our policies, that they can have a little bit of feedback into that, no, noting that we want to go through the members' channels, but if we know that there's... Um, uh, get a heat map on what we saw with the, the survey that we did launch last week, that we are generally dealing with some of the issues, but we want to make sure that we continually have that conversation with the broader ag community. And I guess it's those three things that I really want to make sure that we we beef up. And once again, it's that uh, making sure we're, we're um, having the right conversations, making sure that we're agile enough to be able to move within our own system and, and, and um, strengthening our members, but also um, ensuring that we are um, relevant and that we are getting that direct feedback, that heat heat map, that that the issues based um, feedback from our from the wider agricultural community, and put that through our our um, member organisations. Right on. So there we go. We try to keep. We've got a tendency. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't actually go through on this episode. We thought this was a special one, and okay. and, and the other ones in the series. So we didn't actually go through our. Normally, we start off with discussing the previous week's criticisms of us and complaints about the podcast. So we haven't done that this week. Uh, one of the criticisms, we get two forms of criticism that are kind of opposing each other. Sometimes people say the podcasts aren't long enough. Or you talk too much. Or we talk, or talk too much. Or we talk too much. Or, we talk or, we talk or the podcasts are too long. So we try to keep this one as a short one, uh, especially because you're uh, outside and we know where we make sure you've got slip, slap, slop and whatnot. So already, mate. We're good. Standing there, you could like people have said that David is an okay farmer, but I would like to say at the moment, he's definitely outstanding in his field. <laughs> you'll, need, you'll need to see the, the photo shot of the, of the podcast when you release on Twitter to get that one. Yeah, I thought it was a really good one, but it's B, B plus at best, I'd say, Andrew. Well, you know, it's 
I'm just trying to, well, being an analyst doesn't pay well, so I'm trying to become a, a second-rate comedian as well. So so have you got anything else to say as a, as a closing statement before we before we go? Um, I guess really when we talk about agriculture, we, we talk about people. And for me, that's something that sometimes gets lost in these conversations that, yeah, we focus on if it's a water issue or a land right issue or taxation issue, but... And we talk about these numbers, but every one of those numbers is a person and every one of those people have got a family or got a story to tell. And for me, that's the best part about agriculture are the people. I love going to meetings. I love having a maybe a debrief after the meeting over a cheeky beer or a meal with people because that's when you actually get to feel and, and really understand their stories. And there'd be many, many people across Victoria, let alone other places around the state that have slept in there in their um, living rooms, slept in some pretty uh, dodgy accommodation to remain close. But the reason why I'm involved is because I just love helping people. And all the way through my career, um, I've always said that if it's not about the person, if we can't get back to actually helping that person, what are we actually trying to achieve here? If it's some wishy-washy motherhood statements that aren't actually making an impact to that person's life, we need to have a better look at ourselves. We need to reframe what we're doing and make sure we get back to that principle of, it's the people that we're here for. It's the farming industry that that is the the vehicle that people make their living through, and then um, telling or, or giving the consumers, the the people who aren't necessarily um, involved in the industry but benefit from it, um, a clearer understanding of why we're important, and then hopefully them supporting us when we ask them for help. Very good. Oh. Well said. All right. Well, we might leave it there. Thanks for your time, DJ. We hope um, all the best. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll be you know wishing all of the candidates a good luck. But um, but, we, yeah, we'll, we'll, but we will be at the NFF conference. We will. Oh, awesome. So we will. We will maybe even put on either a celebratory or a commiseratory drink uh, <laughs> for, for 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 everyone. So. Uh, Thank you, and thanks for the good work you guys do, and um, all the best for everybody. See, that's, for what I, that's what I was waiting for in the statement. Someone to fill our egos. Uh, save save, save the best till last. Save the best but, till um, last. It, the, the, I guess your guys' challenge is that uh, the season itself is pretty pretty hard through the northern parts of Australia, let alone somewhat that, that northwest and western Australia, trying to navigate all that information as well as the the challenges that those farmers are currently going through. And yeah, this is every season in Australia is a challenge. It feels like there's very few, like the the last one maybe where everyone had a bit of a win, but it is um it is that's Australian agriculture. We we are volatile in our environment, but it's the once again it's the people and you guys are part of that. So well done. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks, so all right. thanks for coming. See you when you got nothing on, Dave. Cheers, guys. See you. Bye. Ciao for now.